Today on the Big Break Software Podcast, I'm speaking with Daniel Liebeskind of Topia.io. Topia is a platform that lets you create real-time experiences in the virtual world. Daniel had his first Metaverse uh, platform in 2015 and has built over 20 apps in the last 10 years before settling on Topia. Today, Daniel is going to speak about how he came up with the idea uh, for Topia, how he funded the MVP, launched to gain his first few customers, and how he navigated his way from zero to park product market fit to reach 30,000 MRR. How are you today, Daniel? I'm doing well, Jordy. Thanks for having me on. Excited to be here. Yeah, me too. Pleasure. Um, so why don't you give me a quick, um, tell me how Topia, what specific problem does Topia solve for your customers? Uh, well, you know, one of the challenges with the internet uh, historically, it's been that it is hard to bring large groups of people together to uh, to connect with each other individually, right? So you can have things like Zoom, where you can bring a large group together and one person at a time is able to speak and is essentially broadcasting to the group. Um, or you can do like a heavily facilitated breakout structure. But again, um, you know, that's not, it's not uh, the way that people interact with each other in real life. And so, um, you know, the ability to interact online in the way uh, with serendipity, you know, with self-facilitation, with being able to move around a space, have uh, context for social interactions, that uh, has historically been very hard online. And the only place you've really seen it is in uh, some video games like MMORPGs, where, uh, where, where large groups of people uh, have quests that they're going on, but also can just be kind of hanging out in a large town square and interacting with each other, you know, but, but even that they're kind of hiding behind an avatar. And so what we're trying to do with, with Topia is make it so that you can come together just as you do in real life and have the same kinds of social interactions, the same kind of freedom, move around a, a space that has context that's set up, that's branded for your community and uh, make friends, strengthen the bonds between individuals that, that make up the community that you're a part of. Okay, it sounds really interesting. Um, so I gather it's it's from your website. It looks like it's in the metaverse. You'll, um, I'd like to do this show from the perspective of people that don't know a lot about metaverse because I'm I'm one of those people, right? And imagine you're going to come across people that you know, like, oh, this sounds great, but I don't know anything about the metaverse. Does that mean I can have the app? You know, th questions like that. So why don't you tell us uh, first of all, like. Do we need to be in Metaverse to use your app? I love it. Yeah. So the Metaverse really is uh, kind of like the the term the internet, right? It yeah. is kind of a holistic phrase that means a bunch of different things and nothing at the same time. There is no, yeah. just like the internet is not one thing. There's not one platform. Yeah. Uh, the Metaverse is just the, the, the evolution of the internet, right? And it's the right. evolution of the internet in two ways. One is from the internet historically is very asynchronous, meaning, you know, something like email or Facebook wall, somebody writes something and then sometime later, uh, another person responds or comments. That's asynchronous interaction. Um, so the ev evolution of the internet from that sort of interaction to something that's synchronous, that's real time. Um, so similar to what we're doing in Zoom or in multiplayer games where you can actually be there real time interacting with people um, having conversations, playing games, um, you know, even going through productivity tools, um, you know, people that use Miro, for example, um, and can see or, or Notion and can see uh, other people 
editing real time with them or Google Docs, those are synchronous interactions, right? And so okay. um, that's one aspect of the metaverse. And then the other is what people refer to as Web3. Um, so you probably hear that term thrown yeah, around yeah, a lot. for sure. And, and Web3 is basically just uh, historically, you know, the, the old internet, everything was centralized. So if you go to, uh, to Microsoft.com, all of the data within Microsoft is owned by Microsoft, right? Within their database, within their servers. And Web3 is a move from centralization, the centralized internet, mm -hmm. towards a decentralized internet, where you have the, uh, the databases are no longer owned by an individual company, but instead are collaborated on by the entire world. And when you hear the right. phrase uh, so blockchain like nodes and stuff, yeah, nodes and, and, and blockchain really is just a consensus yeah. mechanism. It's a way for people to uh, collaborate with each other trustlessly, right? They don't have to actually trust each other. There's a mechanism that has been invented to allow us to all uh, collaborate on the same database and have that data, the transactions be correct. And the reason mm -hmm. this matters is uh, because now you can, in theory, have your community or assets or experiences or whatever live in this public database and then have interoperability where every application across the internet can pull from this public shared backend, public shared database which is a decentralized blockchain database. I see. So you're sort of like mixing and matching with different apps all on the, all on the, basically this new network, I guess. Yeah, that, that's network, exactly right. But yeah. 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 That's okay. the right way to think about it. And so, so yeah. the metaverse is really the combination of the real time experiential interactive internet and the decentralized shared interoperable internet being smashed together into one unified system that is, that is referred to as the metaverse. Okay. And, and so, I mean, you mentioned like 2015 that you started working on this. That to me, like, what wow, that must have been like real primitive stuff, right? I mean, what was going on in 2015? Yeah. So I had my first, what, what is now referred to as metaverse at the time, you know, there was no real term for it. Um, but it was a way for fitness instructors to create their own uh, fitness universes online, essentially uh, with their own branding, their own schedules, and then teach live interactive classes where they could see uh, other participants and participants could see one another. So mm -hmm. it was very much this real time internet. You know, it's been a big passion of mine uh, since I actually discovered a technology called Web RTC, which is Web Real Time Communication. It's one of the things that's that's powering this entire uh, real time revolution that's occurring. Okay. And so, you know, yeah, at the time, um, nobody was really doing this. In fact, a lot of uh, PMs that I talked to, uh, product managers, even at big tech companies, I was kind of, you know, I was, I was out there talking about this real time internet. And a lot of people are telling me that that's stupid, that that, uh, is not the future. The future is more asynchronous. There's more leverage in that. And that that's true, right? One of the challenges with synchronous with real time is that you need people to come together at the same moment. And yeah, that's that true, yeah. is a challenging yeah. problem, can be a challenging problem. Whereas, yeah. you know, asynchronous platforms like TikTok or something, um, mm. there's a huge amount of leverage. And you make something once, you put it up there, and then millions of people can see it. There's So, so you know, we're not getting rid of the asynchronous internet. There's a lot mm. of leverage in that, and it's, it's really powerful. Uh, but now we also have the synchronous internet. And partially because of the pandemic, you know, that's been accelerated. But this was a trend that was coming no matter what. You know, as people especially were going more remote, and we have Slack and uh, Asana and more productivity tools, even things mm -hmm. like Zoom, you know, people are going, we're increasingly going remote. And with remote work, you also need remote community and remote play. And that's really what Topia is all about. 
Okay, so so as I envision this, then the way to get around the problems with being synchronous is it's like a scheduling. So say, okay, we're going to have this event, and you, we're all going to show up at the same time. That's how we're going to solve that problem. Is that is that essentially what why you decided to just like scheduled events? Well, so so um, scheduled events are a great way to create density and to bring people together at the same time. But Topia is not necessarily an event platform. It's not like Hopin or Remo. We actually have persistent spaces. So a lot of people are using these as uh, okay. the town hall of their community. Okay. Right? Um, and so but you can do both. You can have a town yeah. hall where people hang out. Um, as an example, you know, we hosted 20,000 people for Burning Man um, mm-hmm. last year and, and the year before we did virtual burn. Um, Mm. and you know, that was an event that lasts for a week and a lot of people come in, but people use that that space throughout the year, uh, for their own events and to just gather and to go in and just see if they can find other burners, other people that have shared interests and similar, uh, you know, perspectives on things. And so that's actually one of the hallmarks of a community space is that, um, you know, if you think about, again, think about the real world parallel, you have sort of a community center where there Mm. are events, but you can go hang out anytime you want. Right. And yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's the kind of thing you can do in Topia. OK, so I envision now because I'm so clueless on on metaverse and this this um, sort of new emerging web uh, that you need, like the glasses, right, the virtual reality glasses and stuff. Is that something like there's like I imagine like you go into this portal only because I've seen Ready Player One and uh, Red Snow Crash and stuff. I just imagined it that way. But it's, you know, that's sort of. Um, the vision in the future is that like does that just like enhance it or is that the people that have the have the the kit you know that they go in and and then they're like sort of more able to easier interact or because i've seen it like with game i don't game but i've seen like the rooms in the games i can understand that concept you know you're talking with like 10 people and you're playing in a group and stuff that I, i can totally get but i'm just saying in terms of your platform is it like you need to kind of go in and have all this kit to, to kind of interact and stuff? So Topia is actually browser-based. We don't need VR head uh, headsets. In fact, it's it's actually audio and video. So we use WebRTC. Okay. Uh, you're basically in a big game canvas that's two-dimensional, 2.5-dimensional. Um, okay. We want to make it incredibly accessible. And you just click and move around. And when you're near people, you connect on audio and, and video. So it's kind of like what, what people are referring to as proximity chat or video uh, or spatial chat. Um, and it's funny that you bring up Snow Crash and Ready Player One. Snow Crash yeah. is what kind of invented the word metaverse. And it was a warning. It's a dystopian. It's a book about the dystopian <laughs> yeah, totally. future. The metaverse yeah. was a very dystopian concept. Yeah in, yeah, in Snow Crash and Ready Player One, frankly, I think is also dystopian. You know, yeah, our goal sure. is not to replace yeah. the real world; it's to yeah, enhance yeah. access to communities. Because instead yeah. of you know, take Burning Man as an example, seventy thousand people go to Burning Man every year, but it's very expensive. It's very elitist. It's really only for like wealthy San Franciscanites and you know wealthy people all over the world. Um, you know, it, but the the ethos of it is something, and the idea is something that people are trying to spread to millions of people and have a gigantic community. And so you can have that in-person event and you should have the in-person event. It's beautiful. In-person events are incredible and the yeah. energy is 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 different. But especially something sh- for, for for Burning Man. I've never been, but I mean I just know it's very visual and it's so creative and you know, it's the whole experience of having like sand in your teeth and stuff like that. Um Exactly. But but so I wanna know like 
How was the Burning Man, the virtual Burning Man, received by all the burners? Like, was it like, was it, was it mostly just new people trying to check it out, or how was it received by the community in your platform? You know, it was, it was, it was really funny. It, it, it was very polarizing. Um, a lot of old burners. We're like, this is not Burning Man, right? And yeah. they're right. It's not. It's not yeah. meant to be a replacement Burning of Burning Man. COVID, Man. I think, right? Yeah. yeah and, and some people got defensive of that, right? This this is not going to replace Burning Man. Yet yeah, I agree. It shouldn't replace Burning Man, right? I've been to yeah. Burning Man the last six years that it's existed in a row. I love Burning Man in person. I love in-person events. Um, yeah. That's not the purpose, right? But there were tens of thousands of people that had always wanted to check out Burning Man or maybe had gone once 10 years ago and, you know, haven't been back that came because it's accessible and it's it's a it's a bridge. It's an accessible bridge into the community mm-hmm. and people's minds were blown, right? It felt kind of like Burning Man. They had that same kind of vibe. And a lot of burners that, you know, have been many, many times um, were commenting on that about how it was the most Burning Man like experience they've ever had off what is called the playa. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and we actually had a lot of uh, communities organically spin up from that, that still exist and are persistently being used. Um, and, you know, a lot of those people actually never met in person and are these online communities of people that are kind of best friends and they see each yeah. other. Right. So it's not like, it's not like a community forum where you're, where you're typing anonymously behind a username and you don't even know these people. Um, in these communities, you know, people know each other and they hang out and they watch movies together and they play yeah. games and they have little festivals in their worlds. And, um, you know, it's really magical. Okay, cool. So something that I'm familiar with and probably some of our listeners are too, is like something like a, a discourse is, um, you know, there's community in there with rooms and stuff, although it's more centralized, I think, uh, because, you know, there's, there's, um, you know, there's sort of a company behind that, um, that manages that is, are we talking about the same sort of functionality with discourse? You, you mean discord? Like, yeah, this, sorry, discord. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you can, you can think about this somewhat similarly. That's an asynchronous, um, uh, you know, community platform for the most part, they have some functionality. Um, like they have a clubhouse feature now where you can get into a room together and speak on audio, but this would be the kind of thing that, uh, discord has as well. Now, whether they're going to use Topia or whether they're going to build their own mm. in the future, every one of these platforms is going to have a metaverse functionality where you can come together inside of some sort of contextual space and interact with people as though you're in real life. It's, it's going to happen. Right. And, and right. for most platforms, it's going to be a feature. Um, we actually, uh, we actually have a metaverse engine kind of like how unity or unreal for familiar with those are gaming engines. We are mm-hmm. a social experience engine and um, companies like discord can use Topia as a technology and add it as a feature within their platform. So that that actually is something that we're doing already. Um, and again, whether they use Topia as a technology or whether they build their own homegrown or use something else, uh, most of these platforms are going to have these kinds of spaces because uh, it really is empowering and enhancing for the experience of community. The ability to strengthen the bonds between individuals within a community is just, it's it's light years ahead when you're able to connect with each other real time and actually see other humans. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, we'll, we'll see how this all plays out and, and likely there's going to be a bunch of different technologies out there and, and different types of experiences. Um, I would also point out that Topia is not 
fully decentralized company. Um, we're right, more similar to Discord. you're we, the owner. Yeah, you bootstrapped it or whatever, you know. I mean, that, yeah, I get it. But um, in terms of being like on the de- decentralized network, you're you're moving in that direction if you're not already there, right? Able to inter- interconnect with other apps and things like that, right? Yeah, we're we're a utility layer for that. So we don't we didn't um, we don't have NFTs. We didn't do an ICO, um, anything yeah. like that. But if you are using decentralized databases, for example, if you're an NFT owner, you mm. can use those inside of Topia, and we do on-chain verification, um, which is all you know, kind of a complex way of of just saying that we allow integration with those public blockchains, but we ourselves are not tied to any one blockchain. We're more of a traditional company um, that is just providing a lot of value and, uh, and and a technology layer for these shared backends. And in the you know over the the long term, we're going to do whatever is great for creators and whatever is great yeah. for communities. And um, you know right now there's a lot of interest and a lot of excitement around some of these decentralized technologies, and so. You know, we're trying to build applications that make it so that those communities and those creators can use Topia to uh, create value for uh, for all of their stakeholders. Okay, great. Um, it, I still want to kind of dig, dig deeper into this metaverse. Who do you think is doing it right right now? If somebody wants to see an example, I would say like a bigger company that's like doing it right or, you know, like if they want to go in and kind of just like – you know, get their feet wet and and uh, this sort of experience that you're talking about, this synchronous experience. Who do you think? Where can we go? Uh, you know, I actually I, I do genuinely think Topia is the best entry point for most people. It's really yeah, easy okay. to use. Okay. Um, but you know, I, I would Fair say enough. if you if you use something like Fortnite, um, if you if you play video I, games, because right, I, Fort- I don't game, but. Um, yeah, most most platforms are kind of inaccessible. Um, they're they're video gaming uh, applications. There are very few that are um, that have done what we're doing, which is kind of to go to the other side and try to start as more of a uh, an application. We're riding the line between game and application. But like my ninety five year old grandfather had his birthday party in Topia and he was able to get in. He's clicking and moving around. He would never in a million years be able to play a video game. Yeah, um, but yeah. you know, we we very intentionally uh, tried to move away from that. You know, I, I think. Even something like Zoom, right, it gets you the the sense, right? If you think about six years ago, very few people were even comfortable with Zoom. And now everybody uses Zoom and it's uh, second nature. And that actually is people taking a step closer towards uh, this idea of the metaverse. Do you feel like they would, would Zoom consider itself a Web3 company? I doubt they would consider themselves Web3. They still may consider themselves Metaverse because, again, the Metaverse is the real-time Internet and Web3. It's two yeah. different things. And, and each each group of developers and each community um, refers to their concept as the Metaverse. But it really is two different ideas. Okay. Um, and, and Zoom is kind of the real-time Internet, right? It just doesn't yeah, have yeah, like context. Sure. Or like Google um, But Meet, I don't think Meet they have Web3. something like Hangouts or something like that. Also... Hangout. Also, real time, um, not really Web three. If, if you're looking for more Web three type companies, um, you know, on uh, <laughs> frankly, there aren't a ton that are doing a whole lot yet. But there's things like Axie Infinity, which again are kind of more like games. Um, these are the idea of play to earn. So you um, mm-hmm. you go on and you're uh, you're earning tokens that can then be used across platform. 
Um, there's a lot of infrastructure being built. The, rea the real answer here, though, uh, is that this entire thing is very early. It's like 1992 for the Internet, oh, 1993. Oh, really? I was thinking yeah. it was and like so, and so we're going to have a huge. Yeah. Okay. What's that? I was thinking it was like 1998 or something, you know, like something a little bit more along. That's really maybe, early. Maybe, yeah. you know, it, it, it's hard to know, right, where we are. But either way, there will be a crash. There should be a crash. And just like the dot-com bubble and crash, mm -hmm. um, what you have in a bubble is a huge amount of infrastructure build, right? Laying yeah. a fiber active cable, people yeah. beginning to specialize, a, a massive community, people that become experts in the technology. Then you have a crash, um, which means that the demand for a lot of the the talent and for the technology and for the infrastructure goes down. And then you have an oversupply. And as a result, in the dot-com era, you had a huge supply of servers. Some smart person realized you could turn that into you know, a cloud offering and then let people pay for accessing server capacity over the internet. And you had the cloud revolution, which led to what we have right now. And so yeah. similarly, you, know, you have a huge infrastructure build, a huge community, a lot of experts in these decentralized technologies. There probably will be a crash. And from that, you know, the, like the phoenix rising from the flames, there's going to be, um, you know, whatever the next wave of these technologies are. And it's going to be pretty awesome, I think. Yeah. And we're, yeah. you know, we're we've intentionally not we're not riding these waves. Right. We're building something um, that's useful right now. And, um, you know, we're going to be there when the phoenix is rising. That's right. It sounds like you you could take it or leave it, really. I mean, you're you happen to be using some of the. The, you know, the sort of buzzwords right now. But to me, it honestly sounds like a, a SaaS that's, you know, interactive and, you know, sounds really interesting, I, th I think. Um, yeah, that is, we are, we're a SaaS company. Yeah. You know, it's an interactive, it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's, it's like Zoom where you can build worlds and people can move around and they're persistent. And, you know, we have thousand person companies. We have a 10,000 person event happening tomorrow. You know, we have gigantic enterprise events we have weddings we have birthday parties um you know th those are the use cases for us right now but i believe in the decentralized internet um i think it's it's an inevitability because it's really good for creators and, and communities mm -hmm. and so um you know i believe it and i just think we're really early yeah that fair enough uh so being as as knowledgeable as you are in this space where do you feel like some of the biggest opportunities are for someone that's listening and say Hey, this sounds really cool. I want to start investigating this so that I could build a SaaS to sort of start tapping into this new space. Where are some good, where are some weak areas or where do you see some opportunity outside of what you're doing? Uh, these are great questions. So I think that the first step is just to start learning about them. So going into something like Topia and just playing around, making worlds, inviting people in is the best way to actually learn about what is happening right now. And before you can think about what's going to come in the future, you need to understand what is happening right now. Right. Yeah. And then there's a, there's a few different things that may happen in the future. And there's a lot of uh, uncertainty, I would say, uh, which creates opportunity. Right. And there's infrastructure plays. There is uh, building businesses on top of these platforms. It kind of depends what kind of entrepreneur somebody wants to be. Um, but just like, you know, even in the early days of social media, Understanding the platform allowed people to then become influencers if that's what they wanted to do. Or there was an entire generation of tools for uh, for managing social accounts. Right. Um, then there's also consultants that are 
uh, expert at helping people uh, navigate social and, and do ads and those sorts of things. And so, you know, once you start to be in the gravitational orbit of this entire ecosystem, then you'll see a lot of these gaps where people are clueless, right? Even this conversation, you know, you're saying, well, you know, I haven't really used the metaverse. I don't know fully what it is yet. That creates a lot of opportunity for people because most yeah. people have no idea. Right. Yeah. And that's great. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Because I mean, it sounds to me like what it's like 5% of the people that are sort of getting into, or maybe it's bigger than that. I think the gamers are, but um, you know, even I talked to some gamers and they're like, no, nah, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to get the glasses and stuff, you know? Um, but that to me sounds like that's not really what it's about. Well, it's not what it's about for us yet because yeah. nobody's really adopted VR technology yet, right? Like you yeah. said, it's a very small percentage of the population. And for us, you know, we, um, we're trying to have it where uh, Asana, when they IPO, they bring all of their employees into a space and that's Intopia, right? And, and we have thousands of people in there. If we required VR goggles, then how many people nobody would do it? Exactly. Yeah, I think people get intimidated by that. You know, like just that word, like metaverse. Oh, that oh, you need kit for that. You know, but it sounds to me like that's that's um, the opportunity is sort of people to understand that because a play could be like any small business could have a metaverse component to their own website or their platform or something like that. So that's that right? Or other yeah. SaaS companies too could have this too, right? Think about this, right? Every company has their own website, right? Yeah. You have to have a website if you're a company or a brand or yeah, yeah. A, you know, a foundation or anything. Similarly, uh, in the not so distant future, every company and brand and foundation and nonprofit is going to have their own metaverse ecosystem. And that's actually what Topia provides um, Mm -hmm. is white label metaverse experiences and and ecosystems that complement essentially your website and your marketing offering, your sales funnel, um, Mm -hmm. your persistent space, your community space, your, you know, however, whatever your your company is about, whatever your brand is about. Um, it becomes part of the ecosystem that you already have with your socials and your website and your product. Uh, Metaverse just it will gradually just tie into that. And it's not going to be like, you know, a snap of a finger and now everybody's in the metaverse. It's going to happen yeah. very gradually. And, and things right. like Topia, you know, we're trying to be a bridge towards that rather than saying everybody needs to be in VR headsets. That's unrealistic. And frankly, you know, with a, with a headset on, there's no way to see people. And for us, yeah. it's all about human connection. It's about accessibility. It's about consent-based products. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, VR just is not there yet. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So um, going toward, to, to, you know, how you created Topia, um, is the angle that you're headed towards now is kind of like um, integrating with other software as a service companies? Like, for example, you say Asana. Is, is you going to have Topia inside of Asana? Or is it Asana just using Topia? Right now, companies like Asana are using Topia to bring their stakeholders together. We actually have single sign-on SAML, right? So um, yeah. they, they're doing these gated worlds where they're bringing all of their employees together or, or uh, investors and those sorts of things for like an all hands. Um, okay. But we also, uh, we just uh, rolled out something called Metaverse Cloud, which is, a way for companies like Asana to actually integrate Topia into their products as well and into their their ecosystems. And they can use that for internal purposes, but they can also use it for public pur- purposes. They can allow people, for example, in a signed-in, authenticated state within Asana to actually 
um, to actually, you know, use Topia without needing to like log in to Topia and and the accounts within Topia then within that walled garden exist within Asana's ecosystem. They can control the data, um, all the streams, that sort of stuff. We don't actually, just to be clear, we don't actually have that relationship with Asana. It's, this is just an example of, of how Topia can be. Right. But I mean, this is something, how it could work is what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Like, um, and, and we are rolling yeah. this out with other companies, just not not actually Asana. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds that sounds great. Um, so so tell me about the history. It sounds like when did you start Asana? Uh, sorry, Topia. Uh, so Topia formally began in 2020, but um, I actually had a platform that was a a, a VR platform called Every Space uh, in 2018, 2019. And that was a way for companies, brands to create their own VR ecosystems and uh, social experiences. And then basically what happened is, you know, over the 2020s, my plan was uh, to build out what is essentially Topia. Um, But when the pandemic hit, I I realized I didn't have uh, six or seven years to slowly build this thing while I was actually working at a different company. Uh, My moment was right now. And so and, and VR adoption was not there. Um, so I basically threw out my entire VR platform, started from scratch with a browser-based platform with WebRTC, which is a technology that I knew very intimately from my company in 2015 and, and that I've been experimenting with for the last, uh, you know, seven years. And uh, started from scratch, released, had our first event three weeks after the first line of code. Um, so, you know, I, I have specialized over the last eight years in just like rapid prototyping, building things really fast. You're a developer. So I did that in this case. You're a developer. I'm a developer, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm a software what, what's this? What's the stack? Just uh, um, what? what you uh, JavaScript based, based mostly. Uh, we use a lot okay. of different technologies now, but okay. the original prototype was uh, all JavaScript technologies. Okay. So Node on the back end, uh, uh, vanilla JavaScript on the front end. Now we have React for our UI. Um, okay. We, you know, we have a game rendering engine. We use a lot of different database technologies. Um, there's a lot going on now. <laughs> okay. So I got to say, like, for the personality for you, like, to be a developer, you're very, like, you know, outgoing. You're more like a sales guy, right? So I'm like, wait a second. You can't be a developer, you know? <laughs> yeah, I built, I built this whole thing from scratch. <laughs> yeah, that's great. No, that's great. Um, so so let's go back to the – so that this pivot, it sounds like you totally scrapped two years of, of programming for, for the other one, uh, the VR um, technology like COVID came, I think we all remember it was like, it was March 13th or something like that, 2020. Is, is that, you just realized it right then and you started coding um, at that time? Did you have a, a base of what you could use or like what were you, what were you working with to, to get the MVP going? Yeah. So I actually was building a browser based game with a friend of mine okay. and uh, that, that and the VR uh, experience and my WebRTC experience, I realized um, right off the bat that I could build something right now that would be really useful to people. And what was really happening is, you know, I was part of a lot of communities that were coming together on Zoom and it was not that great, right? It was okay, uh, but it was one time at a, one person at a time is talking and, and broadcasting everybody and it didn't feel real. And simultaneously, uh, communities like Burning Man were panicking about what they were going to do. How are they going to have an event? It seemed like the writing was on the wall to me um, that 
these things were going to have to happen virtually. Um, you know, and I, I, around the pandemic, you know, everybody knew in, in March, I was freaking out in January when I saw what was going on in, in China. I was buying bags of rice and machetes and, you know, I was kind of like an over, uh, you know, overreactor uh, to the yeah. whole thing. But, you know, to me, it didn't seem like this was going to be a short, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, we're going to be back in the office in a month. <laughs> I was like, there's not, no. that's not going to happen. Right. No. Um, and so I started working on a plan for this in March um, mm-hmm. and then wrote the first line of code in early April mm-hmm. and launched the platform essentially in mid-May with, with an event. And then we had events every weekend and, you know, I was building the platform during the weekdays having an event on the weekend. Um, and, you know, then we landed Burning Man, we landed Asana, we started having many more events and, you know, the rest is history. So, and how was that? You were where you, you mentioned you were working another full-time job. Like, how was that transition? Like, at what point did you say, okay, I need to do, I need to, you know, like I need to go. Cause I imagine you were getting pretty paid pretty well at your other job, right? Yeah, I was the chief product officer for for a company, and you know, I I talked to the uh, to the founders, and I was like, look, this opportunity, this thing that I've been planning for, uh, you know, for a while, and I'd already been talking to them about this idea uh, that yeah. I had, so they were already you know familiar. They already knew, you know, they knew that they weren't going to have me for that long. It was actually the first real job I had had in seven years, um, and basically, they were uh, I had a dev shop, and they were one of my clients. Yeah. Um, and I rebuilt their platform from scratch and then basically became the chief product officer, you know, got got hired full time into the thing. And it was it was never going to be a really long term thing. It was kind of like I'm here to, you know, revamp the product, give you give some more product vision, you know, keep building new features. And then, um, you know, when the pandemic hit, I was basically like, hey, guys, this is my moment. I got to go. Yeah. They were, you know, they were they actually invested in Topia in our friends family round. Oh, okay, great. So, so I want to talk about that because that's a big step, like for people to go from a full time job into you know this fledgling MVP that that you just launched. How was yeah. that for you? Like, what? Like, how long did it take you to decide to do that? What were your? Did you have any reservations, or was it just like, oh man, this is I'm on to something. This is I can't wait to leave. Well, you have to you have to remember that I'd been planning on doing this. For the 20, this was my big life plan, right? This is what everything has been working towards was, uh, was a platform just like Topia. And so yeah, but it came um, about pretty quickly though. So it's not like it's a life plan, right? This is something you, you started writing in March and you launched in May. It's, you know, it's, it's not like a, you know, a huge lifelong project that you've been working on. Yeah. But I already had all the strategy down. So, you know, for me, it was, it, it was definitely a, it was not an easy decision, uh, you know, no decision um, of this magnitude is, is simple or easy, but um, you know, the, the reason that I'm an entrepreneur in the first place is because I can't really figure out how to be anything else um, yeah. because when these moments happen, you know, it's my entire world becomes this and it's yeah. impossible to ignore. Right. It's like, whatever the vision is it, it, that manifests, it just takes me over Um and, uh, and, and so, you know, I didn't really have that much of a choice. I couldn't really not pursue this. Well, it's, it sounds to me like it becomes easy when you have so much work going on and your product's going to suffer if you're not there. And so it's just like, I got to do this, right. It's becoming popular. It's taking off. Is that sort of what happened? Yeah, I think that, uh, that could be a way to think about it. Yeah. Did, did you have some money set aside to like kind of pay yourself for the first six months or something? 
Yeah, I was able to um, get through. You know, we also just didn't have a high cost of living, um, a super high cost of living. You know, we were cooking at home. Uh, there were, uh, you know, I had I had roommates, um, and we were all working from like one room essentially. Um, so, you know, I structured things in a way where I was relatively low burn. You know, I kind of knew that this was coming to to be yeah. you know, that that my uh, entrepreneurship this was coming again yeah. um, and that I was, you know, that I was going to have to jump into something. So, um, you know, I structured things to be low cost. I did have savings, you know, I had a dev shop for, for a long time. Uh, I made mm-hmm. decent money as the chief product officer. So I was able to support myself for, you know, something like nine months um, without really needing full-time income. And I think we started paying ourselves in January. So I started this really in April. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, we started uh, drawing a salary after we raised our friends and family round in January. How much did you raise? And our friends and family was 600,000. 600. Okay. Um, was that easy to do? Yeah. What actually happened is um, we hosted Burning Man in September, August, September of 2020. Mm-hmm. And at that event, people were freaking out and saying, basically, how do I invest in this thing? And so we oh, had really? a lot of demand. Okay. We did the whole friends and family round in like two weeks and it was from oh, nothing. That, to, I was thinking that that would be a really good um, event to sort of, you know, like a launching event or something kind of introduction. Because, you know, you got all these Silicon Valley guys, all these VCs or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah, that's great. Um, what? Why isn't this growing faster? Do you think? I mean, to me, this sounds like you know, like you you've got all the things together. I mean, do you have some? Uh, it sounds to me like you know, you know, I've I talked to guys that launch apps in in you know in four months or at four hundred thousand MRR. I mean, you know, what do you think's going on? Is there some kind of? Um, is there some? Is what are some of the resistance that you're finding from? from in, in your sales, you know, well, your sales pitch, uh, I guess. so there's a couple of things. One is that, uh, you know, this entire, uh, market, this behavior is new, right? So people are yeah. not familiar with what it means to go into one of these spatial worlds and how to customize. And, um, so it's a very nascent experience, a very nascent technology. Um, so that's, that's kind of one thing that's just going on in the industry, you know, across the board. Um, is kind of, you know, it's, 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 people are getting, dipping their feet in and starting to experience these things. But, um, you know, it's not like a normal SaaS website or app where you just go on and you know exactly how to use it. These yeah. things are a little bit new. Um, for us, we also spent, you know, our first year and a half, we had zero salespeople and really no marketing or, or any kind of distribution. We were very focused on our product and our technology, you know, mm-hmm. to build in the way that we did is pretty challenging. Um, we built a lot of infrastructure and a lot of deep technology. We have patent, you know, patents pending on some really critical pieces. If you look across the space, uh, most people uh, are built on top of other companies. Um, there, are, there are some big uh, web RTC companies, uh, for example, Talkbox or Twilio. A lot of people have heard about Media mm-hmm. Soup's another one. Um, we we elected not to do that. We built a lot of our uh, infrastructure and technology from scratch. Um, so as a result, we are the only ones that have um, some of the aspects of Topia. For example, uh, we have something called peer-to-peer uh, WebRTC technology. So in everything else, like even Facebook's Meta or Roblox or Fortnite or anything, they're sending all of their um, audio and if they have video, video as well through a server. Um, mm-hmm. And there's an encrypted tunnel between your device and the server but then the server can decrypt it and, it and it needs to because it needs to compile things. But that gives an opportunity for the company to 
uh, be recording everything you're saying or and doing and to transcribe it and then serve you better ads. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In Topia, we built uh, something called peer to peer, which is where so like the end to end encrypted then, stream. Essentially. Is it like a peer to peer tunnel then? It's a peer to peer tunnel rather than going through a server. Exactly. Okay. So that's really hard to build. It took us a long time to build it, um, but we have it now. And we just hired our first salespeople in the last few months. So things are really ramping up uh, for us. But, you know, we kind of went slow intentionally and built the product correctly and uh, and to be incredibly scalable. And now things are kind of exploding for us, um, seemingly out of nowhere. But it's <laughs> really because we were uh, very intentionally moving slowly and just really focused on product. Okay, got it. And so what at what phase are you now in terms of your life cycle? Are you you just did you just have to go and raise some more money? Like how much what's your funding at right now? Yeah, we raised uh in last May. Um so about a year ago we raised a seed round from uh seven seven six was the the lead, which is Alex Ohanian, founder of Reddit, uh and yeah. Holloway, and then Bonfire Ventures, thirty five ventures, which is uh Kevin Durant and Rich Kleiman. Um, those are, those were kind of like our leads. We had a, we had a few smaller ones as well, and uh, you know we have funding for another year ish. Um, we're ramping up our sales, pretty exciting. We have some mega events happening. Uh, I think I mentioned already. There's a ten thousand uh, concurrent event happening tomorrow, um, which is pretty cool. And you know, big adoption. Our metaverse cloud is starting to take off. We're uh, rolling out Topia as an integration into some of the, the large AAA game studios and, and big tech companies. Um, so, you know, we're at a, we're at a pretty interesting inflection point, uh, as we actually are starting to do sales. What actually happened is we realized in, uh, December that we had over 3000 companies with over a hundred employees, um, coming to Utopia every week. And yeah. we weren't contacting anybody. We had a self-serve, you know, we were kind of just like ignoring yeah, yeah. the sales side and the distribution side of things. Yeah, um, yeah. but yeah. you know, then we hired a salesperson to start converting those, um, we realize our product is like ready for the market and uh-huh. we've been hiring. We have people starting, um, you know, this week, next week, the following week. And we're just, you know, ramping up into, into our growth. Can, can I ask about your, I mean, obviously you want to know about your pricing, but to me, it sounds like you have a pricing problem because you're not charging enough. Um, <laughs> is, that, is that a fair, I haven't even looked at your pricing, but if you have all these companies using in these users, it seems like if you if you changed around your pricing, you you know you'd be like you know maybe that's by yeah, design. Yeah, we, we did. You're right. We did just change our pricing. So our pricing was nine dollars a month unlimited for unlimited people. That was yeah, what our price ridiculous. Was, which is yeah, that yeah. sounds like a classic developer, right? Oh, we'll just <laughs> give it away, you know? Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so is that your decision, or did you get like kind of more like a? Is there like a sales marketing guy coming in and kind of help with those decisions or on the pricing? Yeah, well, just like that sort of side of the business, right? You obviously are technical. I mean, you're really good at what you do. But I mean, to me, it sounds like the sales and marketing has been languishing. Is that, how have you addressed that? Yeah, I hired uh, a head of distribution um, who okay. is working with me on it. But you know, it's not just him. We also the nine dollar a month unlimited was kind of just a self serve model, and sure. we weren't really paying much attention to uh, to yeah, our yeah. sales. Um, yeah. So you know, now we charge based on capacity. You can think of these worlds as venues, um, mm-hmm. and we have two different modes. We have the server based mode actually, and we have uh, peer-to-peer mode. And so you're basically paying between $1 and $4 per user capacity per month. So if you want a space that can hold 
up to a hundred people at a time, you're paying, you know, somewhere between a hundred and four hundred dollars a month for that. Um, if you're bringing like, you know, if you, if you need capacity for your entire employee base and you're a 10,000 person company, maybe you're paying 40 grand a month. Um, and so, you know, we, uh, we're just entering into those kinds of deals. We, yeah. you know, we changed the $9 a month to this pricing. Uh, I think we released it three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's all pretty new. And what do you feel like is going to be your sort of your, your avatar? Are you going to be going for those companies that are doing the employee sort of meetups or what, what do you feel like your is what sector of the market you're getting most interest from? There's a few, yeah, definitely internal events. You know, people have been using Topia for that purpose uh, for a long time. But the other one that we realized is really interesting is around demand gen and sales funnels. So similar to how you use a website, right? Mm-hmm. And it's sort of this persistent uh, uh, content and contextual space. You can actually use Topia Worlds as part of your top of funnel. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so people are are pretty fired up about that. So demand gen, lead gen, you know, having it be just a button, for example, on your website where you can come in and it's a whole contentful journey with other people. And you can be social. You can have your salespeople in there. SDRs are sending out emails, bringing people into the world. Um, and so, you know, we're we have a lot of traction in there. Um, and I would say those are probably the two most interesting on the B2B side right now is uh, internal events, all hands internal festivals um you know uh, yeah. those kinds of things and then and then like more that like are recurring. Sales people marketing. are doing this as recurring right you don't want these one-off yeah. like a wedding that would be very difficult to sort of you know but like recurring events as people build that into their funnel like they have monthly webinars like they kind of you know replace that. yeah that's right yeah that's right and then and then you can you know you can subscribe you can buy a venue uh size and then you can upgrade for specific events so we have a lot of people that you know, might buy like a 50 person capacity and then they want to have a thousand person event and they just upgrade. And you can do that all through the platform. You don't even need to contact us. Yeah. Okay, great. And and so you just, for that day, you have a thousand person capacity. Then the next day you go back down to 50. Yeah. Great. Daniel, I want to respect your time. So I'm going to let you go. Um, thanks so much. I appreciate it. I've learned a lot. Obviously I didn't know that much about metaverse, which is why I was interested in speaking with you. Um, People, we're going to have Topi and all this stuff in the show notes, but where can people go to kind of just like, where would you recommend they go in Topia to kind of just like, what plan can they get? Like if they want to start checking this out, maybe for their own SaaS or something, how can they do that? Yeah. So if you go to Topia.io, right on the homepage is actually an embedded Topia world. So you can embed Topia inside of any web page. And so mm-hmm. we do that ourselves and put it in our, in our own homepage. And anybody can do that on their own website or their What's own the platform. What's the cost for that? Is there a cost uh, for that? It, it's included in a subscription. You can subscribe okay. for as little as $10 a month. Okay, great. So we still have that cheapy plan for the guys that want to. We still have the cheapy plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. You get get good adoption. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, yeah, so great. It's, I'm really interested to hear, you know, hopefully we'll get to do a follow-up show in a year or two. I'm sure you're going to be blasting off to uh, uh, great new places and uh, congratulations on, on your success. It sounds like a really interesting platform. So thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was really fun. I enjoyed myself. Pleasure.